Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Hey, folks, it's Sunday. And what better thing to do on Sunday than to answer a Sunday request? And this is coming from someone who is a regular contributor on my Twitter feed. And he says, hey, uh, it's from Starting Block, The Starting Block, B-L-O-C. And his, that's the Twitter handle. Do it that way, folks. Have your Twitter handle be, reflect your name in somehow. The Starting Block is at... The starting block. It's not the starting block at ZX Ing 44, ha ha, or something crazy. You know, it's, I don't get it sometimes. It's uh, Mike, you know, some of the, you have something like Mike Conrad, and his Twitter handle is at the Erie, Pennsylvania ice cream man. What? Just keep it simple. I'm Sully Baseball, at Sully Baseball. Boom! Not hard to figure out. Now, what is hard to figure out is a thing that the starting block asked me, Sully Baseball. Sunday request, who's the best hitter of this generation? Pujols, Miggy, or other? That's a great question. And it goes to something, because we've just had the whole Hall of Fame thing go on and everything like that that we sometimes need to appreciate what we have right now. The whole idea that the majority of Hall of Famers played before 1950 is bananas because that means the majority of the players played before baseball was really integrated. Three years of integration. So the level, and and even that was just a trickle of players. Uh, You know, the, the level of play when you're playing that kind of baseball against you know, a relatively weak talent pool, by definition, you're not playing the best. You're not playing up to the best caliber, which means the players we're seeing today are playing, and the ones who are succeeding today, are playing at a higher level than those who were playing back then. That's just true. And if you can't handle that, I really don't know what to tell you. That's a you issue, not a me issue. I've done, I've done my duty. So it's interesting that the, who the best offensive player of this generation, where you're going to say the majority of it is, let's just say, let's just say this generation starts around, well, let's just say the turn of the century, the 2000s to the 2010s, because we're right now, we're halfway through the 2010s. So we can say if you've started playing in the early 2000s to now, this is a generation. And we can start to see some of the players who are formulating a career in that. Um, I think by the end of this, you know, I think by the end of this decade, Mike Trout will have inserted himself into this conversation quite well. Thank you very much. Uh, I think Joey Votto is, has a tremendous career uh, and, and one that I think is underappreciated. 
I think that he's going to be one of these players that people will, will appreciate as the career unfolds, much like Adrian Beltre. Adrian Beltre, who started his career you know, around then, probably the, the end of the 20th century, Adrian Beltre is a Hall of Famer. In my mind, and no doubt about it, Hall of Famer, but a, a career that kind of stuck up on us. I think Joey Votto's career will sneak up on some people, even though he's won an MVP. I think the greatness of his career will sneak up on people. I think Adrian Beltre and Carlos Beltran are two players who we're going to look at when all is said and done and go, man, they're Hall of Famers, aren't they? I never thought about it, but they were. You know, Beltran is, is doing it with consistency. Beltran is doing it with putting up great numbers that we just didn't notice. And I'll say it, I think Robinson Cano, when all is said and done, is going to be a Hall of Famer as well. I think when you look at what Cano has done in his career, he is, since arriving in uh, 2005, he has year in and year out put up tremendous numbers at a position where you, know, you don't necessarily have tremendous numbers out of the second base slot. Now, granted, I think... Ten years is too long to sign anyone to a contract like that. And I think that in the end, the Mariners may regret it, but maybe they won't. I mean, if the Mariners win the World Series and Robinson Cano plays a major part in that, then they may just ride out the end of the, his contract. I've said it once, I've said it again, I firmly believe Robinson Cano will return to the Yankees because the Yankees always welcome everyone back. But he's had two, look, his second year in Seattle was a dud, but his first year was very good. And it was good last year, too. Unless we forget he was, uh, he never won an MVP with the Yankees, but he was a top five MVP candidate for years, gold glove. And I, I think a, a, one thing I regret about him leaving the Yankees is that as the Yankee-Red Sox rivalry moves on to a new generation, to have the cano Pedroia uh, comparison, I think, is something that I would be would be fun to see. But I think that he's having a great career. I think he's going to get to his three thousand hits. I think he's going to put up great numbers and great times on base and everything like that. But I really think that that you know, I mean, traditional stats, advanced stats, sabermetric stats, whatever is your bag of rice, can of tomatoes. I think that you're right, the starting block, that the two best hitters of this generation are Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. And they have very similar careers. When you really stop and think about it, they both came up kind of around the same time. I mean, we think, I mean, for whatever reason, I think of Pujols as a, a much older player. But, you know, Cabrera's 33. And Pujols, 36. So there are only a couple of years in between. Pujols made his debut in 2001. And Cabrera made his debut in 2003. Cabrera was 20. Pujols was 21. But, you know, he <laughs> Pujols arrived fully formed. You know, there's some people just arrive and they're already amazing. I, 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 one of my favorite movies is Citizen Kane, and not because I'm a film snob. I, I find it to be an extraordinarily entertaining movie. And I watched a, 
a documentary called the battle of, the battle for citizen citizen kane uh which is basically about how wells clashed with william randolph hearst over the picture and one of the panelists in the documentary said said a fascinating thing about orson wells he said he seemed to arrive fully formed he seemed to arrive like there was no development of orson wells he just arrived whether it was in the New York theater, whether it was being a radio star, or whether it was making a movie. All right, you're giving the keys to the movies. Okay, fine. He made Citizen freaking Kane. As great a movie that was made up until then and since. And that there was like, he just was Orson, he was always Orson Welles, the genius. And in some ways, Pujols is similar. Because, you know, it's funny to think of the Cardinals made it to the National League Championship Series in 2000. And Pujols arrived in 2001. And it seemed like he had always been there. You know, I sometimes have to remind myself, they, they were a good team before he arrived, but he took over. Essentially, he took over from Mark McGuire and Will Clark to a lesser degree. McGuire was the man, the god of the St. Louis Cardinals. And this guy, Pujols, showed up and was the rookie of the year and was an MVP candidate right off the bat. Now, they played him all over the damn map. They played him in third. They played him in the outfield. They played him at first. They played in the outfield the next year when they had Tino Martinez and eventually said, to hell with that. And by 2003, 2004, it was Albert Pujols at first base, boom. Now, he happened to be playing at the same time as Barry Bonds, so he didn't get all of the um, you know, MVPs that he could have. He probably could have won three or four more MVPs along the way, you know, as he finished second or third a bunch of those years. But, you know, it's tough to, to cry for a guy who wins three most valuable players in his career. And, you know, lead, he's, there's, it's hard to find a category besides stolen bases that he didn't lead the league in in one way, shape, or another. Whether you, you like traditional stats, he's led the league at batting average home runs and runs batted in, runs scored hits. Do you like more advanced stats? He's led the league in OPS plus, OPS total bases, you like the sabermetric stuff, you like all the war stuff, are you a big war guy? He was the, he was lead the league in war four straight years and has the highest career war of any active player. I don't know how war is calculated. I still don't get it. But the fact of the matter is he's pretty dang good. And all sorts of stats that I couldn't tell you how they were calculated, no matter what you, you, you sit down in front of me. But whether it's things like Base out runs added. Don't know. Win probability added. Situation win probability added. Base outs win added. All these different things. I, I don't know how they're calculated, but guess what? They are in bold for Mr. Albert Pools. And lest we also forget, coming up big in the postseason, that he was the MVP of the National League Championship Series in 2004. Ask Brad Lidge. 
He had big home runs in the postseason in 2006. He had three home runs in one game in 2011 when the Cardinals upset the Milwaukee Brewers in the in the league championship series. He had an OPS of 1.469, driving in nine runs in those six games. Has he been as great as a member of the Angels? No. No, he hasn't. But he's going to clear 600 home runs this year. He's probably going to clear 3,000 hits by the end of next year. And he has put up in his career, you know, unbelievable stats. And the same thing can we go for Cabrera, who didn't come fully formed, but came right out of the gate in 2003, picked up the ring, got that out of the way, and earned it. I mean, lest we forget, he hit three home runs in that, in that National League Championship Series against the Chicago Cubs. He's played a mess of uh, postseason series with the Tigers as well. And that's got to be one of the great trades of all time. Next year will be his 10th season as a member of the Detroit Tigers. And Pujols spent 11 seasons with the Cardinals. So you have an old traditional team that both these guys can be associated with. Like Pujols, multiple MVPs, all sorts of, you know, the trip, you know, whether or not you like the Triple Crown or not. He also led the league in OPS. He led the league in total bases. He leads the league in all sorts of offensive categories. You know, has he gotten the wins above replacement for the Sabermetrics crowd? No, they lean towards Mike Trout. Is he going to, by the time he's, what, uh, 40 years old, is he gonna, are they going to regret giving him that big, huge contract? Yeah, probably they will. But if they win a title in Detroit, it doesn't matter. And he's going to get 600 home runs. 3,000 hits and all that. He's going to go down as one of the great Tigers of all time. But one thing I want to take a look at, if you take a look at career, I mean, in terms of career OPS plus, which is on base versus plus slugging, Pujols, right now, Pujols, Trout, Cabrera, and Votto rank 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th all time. Everyone, you know, you have players who, or ahead of them are like Frank Thomas, Stan Musial, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle. The top ones are, you know, Ruth, Williams, Garrick, Bonds, Fox. These are the company that these players currently exist in. But I did a whole thing a while ago about a stat that I started to lean towards more than uh, all-time hits, and that is Times on base. The number of times you get on base. Pete Rose is the all-time times on base leader with 5,929. Nobody's really close. Bonds is second. Cobb is next. But if you see that once you cross the threshold of 4,000 times on base, you're a Hall of Famer. Everyone who has reached 4,000 times on base is either a Hall of Famer or they have some suspicion of steroids or confirmation of steroids on them, or they're Pete Rose. But everyone else is a Hall of Famer. There's only one active player who has 4,000 times on base. That's Albert Pujols. Adrian Beltre is closing in on it with 3,804. Beltran and Suzuki are getting there, and then Miguel Cabrera. So when you look at the players who have played in this generation, going from the turn of the century to present, 
we are pretty, we know one has made it to 4,000 times on base. And we're pretty sure that Miguel Cabrera is going to join him. So with that in mind, these are two guys who are going to put up all the big numbers, the traditional numbers that you like, the advanced numbers that you like, and the sabermetric numbers that you like. Over the years, I think the Pujols and may have put up the bigger numbers over the years, but I also think that Cabrera is going to pass him because Pujols seems to be slowing down enough that he has gone from being the elite superstar to being a damn good power hitter, while Cabrera is still playing at an unbelievably high clip. In fact, if anyone said, oh, I pick Cabrera to be the MVP of the upcoming uh, 2017 season, would anyone look asconced at you? I mean, last year he played 158 games and put up tremendous numbers left and right. He's won, if you still dig the batting title, he's won four of the last six batting titles. But he's also led the league in on-base percentage in four of the last seven seasons. Has huge power numbers. And is going to continue playing at that level for a few more years. His age 33 which was last year, was a hell of a lot better than Pujols' age 33 in his injury-plagued 2013 season. So who's the better one? I think they're neck and neck right now. But I think Cabrera may wind up passing Pujols in the majority of the statistical categories. But either way, man, it's a good fight. And there are other players in this. Let's, let's savor this, shall we? Let's savor how good these players are. Let's savor that, that we have a multiple MVP playing for the Detroit Tigers who's going to go to the Hall of Fame as a Detroit Tiger. A guy who's walked the walk and has a World Series ring to his name and everything like that. And that's going on in Anaheim as well. Now, of course, it would behoove both of them to win a title in their current city. But we'll see. We'll see. But to answer your question, the starting block, who's the best hitter of his generation? Right now, the leader in the clubhouse is Albert Pujols. But Miguel Cabrera is still out there. Cabrera has played 14 years. God, he's already a 14-year veteran. And Pujols has played 16. When all is said and done... I think it will probably be Cabrera, but we'll have to see. Players can fall off in a real, real hurry, and other players can sneak up on you, like Mr. Beltre. So if you have anything you want me to talk about, send me a tweet, at Sully Baseball, very simple, and I'll talk about it on the Sunday request. So thanks to the starting block, and go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Looking back at the glory days of the 2000s and the 2010s, this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.